And the Oscar goes to... Frances McDormand, three billboards outside Ebbing, Missouri. Ventilating a little bit. If I fall over, pick me up because I've got some things to say. I don't know why I'm singing. Uh, do I, does that sound like a good version of Sufjan Stevens or whatever his name is? Or Sefan? <laughs> Sufjan. Is that how you say his name? Sufjan. Okay, because I called him Sufjam on, on Twitter and nobody got really angry at me yet. But yeah. I'm, I'm waiting for the. They're hipsters. coming for you. They are coming out for me in their super colorful jackets and hipster beards and yeah. um, and their coffee uh, cafe. Welcome to Waves of Cinema. I'm Jack, and with me is Corey. Hello, everyone. Hello. Hello, Lifely Duties, Corey. <laughs> you did quite a Lifely do with me tonight because you watched the Oscars with me. That's true. Yeah, and you weren't able to watch the Oscars last year due to stupid school schedule. Yes. Last year, I missed the Oscars for the first time in 20 years because I had to wake up at 5.30 in the morning for work. But That is super annoying. Yeah, but I don't have to wake up before like 11 tomorrow, so I'm golden now. Yeah. Yeah, actually, and I felt bad, though, because originally we were going to maybe see this with your parents, but they had kind of an issue, so um feel bad for you, uh, Hughes' parents, but... Yes, we'll my heart goes out to them, and... Stupid nor'easter storm. Yeah, because they live in the country, so they don't have power, and they probably won't have power until Wednesday. Oh, well. Well, anyway, though, but we did get to watch it, and uh, <clears throat> this time we can report to you... Um, in case you didn't watch it, uh, the first thing to mention is that, no, this time there was no Best Picture screw-up. No. Um, I think that I read that they had actually a special protocol in place. Um, mm -hmm. I don't know the exact specifics, but I read an article where I think they had, like, double protocols. Like, they had, like, some special guy, like, stashed in, like, the control room or something who knew the, the the real winner, and in case, like, somebody got the, the answer wrong, he could immediately go, No! No! <laughs> no! Stop! Creamed corn! No! Yeah. <laughs> yeah, that was basically the Oscars last year. That the, the Oscars for Best Picture, which a lot of people didn't even see because as soon as La La Land was announced as the winner, everyone's like, all right, let's just turn this off. This year, though, it was like, no, maybe we should keep it on, because what if Warren Beatty gets it wrong again? <laughs> old-ass Warren Beatty and old-ass Faye Dunaway, who they brought out. Well, now, actually... A, a second time, I mean. Do you just want to go straight to the meat and talk about who won Best Picture? Because we're talking about it? Yeah, might as well. Okay. All right, so let's let's get into it. Let, let's start at the top, and then we'll... You know, we're not going to go in any particular order. We're just going to kind of do like a free form like association dance around different winners and different things that happened at the Oscars 
Um, I don't really have any set presentation for how we're doing this, so... We're just going to follow our muse. We're going to have, like, a kind of free-flow jazz odyssey, <laughs> too. The uh, same muse that had to celebrate the Oscars by watching The Dentist 2 beforehand. Oh, God, that's a whole other discussion. <laughs> All right. That, 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 we got to save that for another podcast. That's, that's, uh, that's a whole thing to unpack. So let's talk about Best Picture. Yeah, so there were eight nominees. We talked about this in our nomination podcast, which you can check out. Uh, remember, we're on SoundCloud, iTunes, Stitcher, et cetera. Um, Where my dumbass said the post was going to win. No, 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 no. You're you're not going to... Don't, don't take how our discussion went before as any <laughs> firm thing. Like, well, let me ask you this, though. Did you When you said that on the podcast, you know, that was weeks ago... Did you hold to that, or did you no, change your mind? No, not at all. In really? Fact, so you thought the post was definitely going to win? No, I didn't hold oh, to that. Oh, oh, you didn't. Okay. So basically, I would say not long after we recorded the podcast, I rejected that idea. Oh, okay. I got you. I like a good Stepford wife. You kind of convinced <laughs> me into believing Shape of Water was going to win. I, You know what, though? I, I said that. I wasn't really sure until maybe a couple of days ago. I honestly. thought Dunkirk also had an outside shot, even though there were th there were three there were four movies that I thought had a real chance of getting best of, of winning. Like I thought it could have been The Shape of Water, it could have been Get Out, it could have been Three Billboards, maybe, and it could have been Dunkirk. Now I think as I thought about it more. I think my hesitation, and I brought up the post as a possible winner too, uh, in in our in our same discussion. I I realized like a few days after we did that episode. Yeah, my whole reasoning for that is kind of dumb. <laughs> um, that like it's Weinstein payback. Nobody cares. Um, but the thing was, it, it so many movies today. Like it's different than how I think it used to be because the internet. And how information moves on social media, the way that the hype machine kind of does things. I, I wasn't quite sure which way things might turn because sometimes a movie might gain a little bit more hype or it might lose some buzz as as you know the whole Oscar season goes on. Uh, I mean that happened with just last year with with Moonlight and La La Land, where I thought La La Land was going to win, then Moonlight swept in. Years back, again, Shakespeare in Love, Saving Private Ryan. So I don't think it was necessarily like a set thing. But the more I thought about it, I realized, I don't know, it doesn't make much sense to give Del Toro director and then not give that movie best picture. Yeah, which is interesting because for the last few years before this year, there had been a split between the best director winner yes. and the best picture winner. But now... We ha the same guy won Best Director and won Best Picture. Now, generally, we are quite happy with the fact The Shape of Water won. I yes, would say uh, I'm very happy. There is a slight difference between us in that The Shape of Water was your favorite film of the films nominated. Yes. Now, for me, it was not. For me, my favorite film of the films nominated was Get Out. Yeah. So. I am very happy The Shape of Water won. I would have been slightly happier if Get Out had won. Oh, but sure. The Shape of Water is great, and Guillermo del Toro just warms my heart. So yes. seeing him on that stage twice, I'm a sap. I won't deny it. 
and I like being emotionally manipulated by good speeches. Yeah. <coughs> Excuse me. Yeah, and he had well, he gave two speeches um, because again, you give when he produced the movie too, so he was there for director and and picture. <laughs> um, sometimes directors might not if they know that they might win for director and picture. They might hold back some things, but I think he gave two different speeches uh, for each one, which was nice. And yeah, he, he was very emotional. Um, I was almost hoping for an outside chance. Uh, this actually was somebody on my Facebook feed kind of suggested this. Uh, they thought that maybe if um, if he won, he would just let fly with a few motherfuckers on stage, <laughs> <laughs> which he's wont to do. Um, you know, he, he has a mouth where he just doesn't care. Um, so, and yeah, so he was very moving. Uh, he gave two very good speeches and, you know, deserved like, again, I, I don't want to make it sound like, oh, it had to be the shape of water. If get out had won, I would have been like, awesome. You know, I think that probably what was against get out, uh, you know, it got nom, it got the nomination. I have a feeling, and this might just be from, I didn't read them in depth this year. I should have. But you know how they have the, um, the anonymous. Oscar I read ballots. them, and I know exactly what you're talking okay. about. Okay. Oh, so you did I read, read them. I read them. All right, because I didn't get a chance to read them this year, but I had a suspicion that there were people voting who suddenly, you know, again, Get Out's been out for so long. It's been out, you know, since February of last year. It came out the weekend of the Oscars, yeah. and after that amount of time. You know, as great as movies can be, it might get backlash. And I think that people thought, oh, this is kind of like they're playing the race card. Yes. And note to self, if you ever use the phrase the race card unironically, you're a jackass and you should feel shame. But Yeah, and you might be kind of a not I'm not gonna say you're a racist in a way, but you might be kind of a, a neoliberal sap. <laughs> but I read <laughs> those anonymous Oscar ballots and the one you're thinking of probably said I'm annoyed that people tried to pretend that Get Out was anything more than a decent horror movie and I was annoyed by people trying to pretend like there was deep political subtext there yeah well that was I had seen other people too in my uh, in my social media sphere like people who like certain filmmakers uh, independent filmmakers and, and people in my movie group who uh, at first the, the, the whole the, the whole mood around the movie was really positive, but there were these people popping up who were saying, oh, no, no, nah, this movie is, and it's not really all that special. It's just, aside from the race stuff, too, they're also yeah. saying, yeah, decent horror movie, but it's ripping off from uh, Stepford Wives, Invasion of the Body Snatchers, and it's wow. not really that original. But I think that... It's, the originality is not really the point. It's about how it melds its genres together. Yeah, and also, I am really glad that The Shape of Water won, because that, too, is a triumph over genre snobbery. Yes. I have a real problem with how the Academy denigrate certain genres of films and keep and regard certain genres as unserious yes so i'm really glad that the shape of water was able to break through yes and i think that what might have helped and this is something i didn't talk about with you uh, while we were watching i have a feeling that sometimes even though they're trying to bring in uh younger academy voters and they're trying to bring in 
new voices. And maybe those voices did love The Shape of Water. I, I don't know. I, I'm not privy to the Academy votes. But if you're dealing with the the body of people who you who by and large have been part of the Academy and voting for these awards, you often get you know people who are kind of older, white, often men, and um, this was someone like I like a family friend of ours was sort of you know he he actually went and saw The Shape of Water. He doesn't see too many new movies out there, and. I got the sense that there was a lot of nostalgia for the creature from the Black Lagoon, which, uh, you know, this movie, you know, is a very direct homage to that. I mean, basically the fish creature is that, is that creature, um, with, you know, little alterations (laughs) here and there. Um, so I think that maybe that was what tempted the voters more, maybe a little bit. And they try and they could overlook the fact that it's a fantasy film or sci-fi or something like that. And try to say, oh, but it's a drama that it's a moving drama that happens to have this thing here. No, you voted for you, you got a fantasy film and a fantasy filmmaker, picture and director. Yeah. So when I went on Twitter right after the Oscars ended, Matt Zoller Sites retweeted. So he didn't tweet this himself, but he retweeted someone else saying it. I can't believe the Woman Fucks a Fish movie was the safe Academy Award pick this year. <laughs> no, I, I kind of feel bad that that's kind of what the movie is sort of known for in yeah. like a joking way. Like, I even saw another tweet that said, this movie is trying to make it seem like it's okay for bestiality. And and I think even another friend of ours, I won't say who, yeah. um, said, you know, what about consent uh, I think the relationship in the movie is beautiful. Yeah, I, God, that's it, so amazing. It's it's basically two lonely people that come together. And the fact that one of them is a fish creature is, you know, it, I'm not saying it's beyond. It's not the point. It's but it's their you relationship look past that. is beautiful and it's nuanced, and they are two lost souls meeting together and the movie is so sweet and I'm going to start crying just thinking about it. I, I, <laughs> I, am an, I am an immigrant like Alfonso and Alejandro, my compadres, like Gael, like Salma, and like many, many of you. And in the last 25 years, I've been living in a country all of our own. Part of it is here, part of it is in Europe, part of it is everywhere. Because I think that the greatest thing our art does and our industry does is to erase the lines in the sand. We should continue doing that. When the world tells us to make them deeper. The place I like to live the most is at Fox Searchlight because uh, in, in 2014, they came to listen to a mad pitch with some drawings and the story and a maquette, and they believe that a fairy tale about an amphibian god and mute woman and done in the style of Douglas Sirk and a musical and a thriller was a sure bet. Oh, God. Um, well, if I think about one scene in particular, then I'll start crying, as yeah. you saw me do in the theater. So we are both big, <laughs> big Shape of Water fans. It was Jack's film of the year. Yeah, yeah. It's in my top five. So in a way, it's kind of like how I felt about, I like The Shape of Water better than Moonlight, but it's kind of like how I felt about the results last year, where I was definitely rooting for Moonlight over La La Land, because I think La La Land was 
a perfectly fine movie that was nowhere near Oscar caliber, but Moon- I didn't think Moonlight was the best of the nominated films. I was very impressed by La La Land. I, I was, if that had won Best Picture, I would have been like, okay, fine. Like, I, now I'm trying to remember what I was really pulling for. Manchester by the Sea is what you were pulling for. Well, no, that, that was, uh, that probably was my movie of the year, but something else came around. Um, uh, now, talking about Get Out for a second. Now, that did get an award. It got Best Original Screenplay mm. for Jordan Peele. That was something that I called. Um, and we could talk in a minute, in a little bit, about how predictable the Oscars seem to me, which I don't know if they were for you, but we'll, we'll get back to that. Um, I think that it's great that he won an Oscar, though, for Screenplay. Yeah. And I'll tell you why. Because he... In a way, sometimes I feel like the original screenplay prize is almost kind of cooler. Well, you compared it to Pulp Fiction. When well, we now were... Pulp, Pulp Fiction and Citizen Kane, <laughs> two of the best films of all time, did not win Best Picture that year. Like they now, Citizen Kane. There's a little bit other history around that, like Hearst and other stuff. Hollywood didn't. They wanted to bury that movie, et cetera, et cetera. Um, but I think that it kind of goes to show that. Sometimes the movie that is actually the most creative, that the one that might really stand the test of time and, you know, even get taught in classes like I've done, um, you know, that ends up getting the screenplay prize and it might not get anything else. Or maybe it might get one other award like uh, Fargo was a movie like that or uh, God, I'm I'm trying to remember some other ones, but uh, um so, I don't know. I, I feel like, though, I'm really happy that he won for screenplay because it kind of shows, oh, here's this script that he, he, in his speech, I really liked his acceptance speech, too, because he said, like, you know, I was trying to write this for years and I really didn't know if it was going to work, but I had to keep coming back to it. And, you know, the fact that he got this, you know, kind of extremely um, angry, like, there's a lot of anger in this movie there's a lot of there's there you have a lot of laughs that you know it's certainly a crowd pleaser but it's also a very sad and dark movie and you know it, it kind of condemns like the white race <laughs> <laughs> maybe that might be the underlying reason why to get this picture because deep down maybe a lot of these white folk are like yeah no but i don't know it, that's just how i uh, did you have any thought on that i not I don't have any thoughts about it that are different from what you said, and you probably said it better than I did. Okay. We get along too well for the podcast, man. <laughs> <laughs> well, it's not like we were... Well, again, we're not going to get into arguments about this movie. It's Oscar-nominated, Oscar-winning filmmaker. Yeah, and I... When I was watching, didn't think of the screenplay award as kind of the historical vanguard, but when you pointed it out, I agreed with the argument. Okay. <laughs> you heard it here first. <laughs> Our lack of tension and argument makes for not much. No, no. Yeah, I... I'm sorry that this is okay. more scintillating. But no, it's it's all right. I thought you made a really good well, point, and I agreed with all you. All right. Well, let's get on. Well, let's talking about screenplay then let's talk about your nemesis call me by your name i don't know if the people want to hear me rant about call me by your name anymore (laughs) but you know what's funny though when i think about it the script was terrible as was the film and i know it's supposed to be all 
heartwarming because Ivory's all old and crap. And we're supposed to be like, oh, it's so sweet that you're winning an Oscar in your Twilight years. Write a better movie, bucko. Um, not sure if I totally agree. (laughs) (laughs) No, I, you know what it was? I think they gave that, I think that's that rare case where I think they gave him the Oscar for that monologue. That one monologue that Michael Stuhlbarg has, because I think if that movie didn't have that in it, I don't think it would have impressed them as much, because that was what... A lot of people, whether they loved the movie or didn't like it, like, that's what they were talking about. Um, Surprise, surprise, I didn't like the monologue. (laughs) But you did. No, I I did like it more than you did. Like, did I think it was, oh my god, like, the best monologue of all time or something? No. But I I did find that that helped elevate the movie a little bit in my estimation. Um, I I don't have all the nominees in front of me. uh, However, I have to say... Army Hammer's suit at the Oscars tonight? Spectacular. Oh, yeah. Let's let's talk about that for a second. A number of men were wearing, uh, like, a certain kind of apparel. Like, wh- wh- why don't you tell the listeners why you like that so much? Okay. So, I really like it when men deviate from the standard suit slash tuxedo template. And I really like when men wear velvet jackets or when they wear a color other than black. Basically, I really like it when the gentlemen inject some creativity into their ensembles. And I noticed that a lot of men at the Oscars were wearing velvet jackets. Um, Army Hammer was wearing a whole velvet suit, and it looked, oh, it was gorgeous. And it was like bright red velvet, and it popped so nicely against that gorgeous blue set. It looked like he ripped. He looked like he kind of tore part of the red carpet and actually made a jacket out of it. Yes. So, (laughs) and maybe not that red. I have to say too, even though Jimmy Kimmel made a joke about it during the set, I absolutely loved the sparkly blue set. I thought it was so pretty. So I really mm. like the set design. Oh yeah, yeah. What was his joke? Oh, he said like oh, something about, about millions of dollars of um Swarovski Chris I can't say that word. Swarovski? Yeah, it's like crystals t- are a testament to our humility. Yes. <laughs> so it was a good joke, but the set design was gorgeous. Well you can joke about your opulence. It's still opulent. And the way Army Hammers amazing suit popped against that blue background gorgeous so for that brief moment of visual flair maybe i could tolerate maybe oh god well that helped the fact that this movie was nominated for oscars god help us all yes and also the fact that which i had to point out to you because i don't think you noticed it that when james ivory accepted his oscar he had like it was hard to see it because of his jacket but he had as his i don't know if it was his shirt or his like whatever but he had a shirt that had timothy chalamet's face drawn on it that's weird what what the fuck is that like wear a regular shirt old man like did you like (laughs) (laughs) so yeah all those gentlemen wearing the velvet suits I saw you. Honestly, that was a case of, again, and I I called that that was going to win because when I was looking at the movies that 
Call Me By Your Name was nominated for. Again, that got picture and actor and a couple other things. That that seemed like if they were going to give it something, they would give it that because, you know, God forbid, you know, a black woman win an Oscar for screenwriting like Dee's Reese. Well, she really didn't deserve it, but... Well, no, I'm not... Yeah. You know, I, I, I don't know. Well, do you, but would you say, though, that the screenplay for Mudbound was as bad as Call Me By Your no, Name? No, no, I would not. But... And the second half of the screenplay for Mudbound is pretty good, but man, that first half is a slog. Yeah, so in terms of adapting a source, it didn't do a great job. No. the Read the book. What were the other nominees for Adapted? Um, let me just see here for a second, because I... Because I... obviously Call Me By Your Name didn't deserve to win. I don't think Mudbound deserved to win. It's not a good enough movie. And... Yeah, um, well, Logan... That was again a curious choice that I I brought up uh, before. Didn't where see that, Logan. Right. No. But um, but it, it was that was a movie where ah uh, that they've never done that before where they nominated a comic book movie in the screenplay <laughs> category like that, um, which that again that was pretty cool. Uh, God, I know there was one other one that I'm that I'm missing, and that's why I'm trying to to load this on my phone. Um. Uh, oh, sc- uh, adapted screenplay was Call Me By Your... Oh, of course. I know what should have won. The Disaster Artist. Oh, yeah. The Disaster Artist clearly should have oh. won that award. Now I think about it. Yeah, that should have won. Especially because those guys, are they're, they're really good writers. They wrote uh, 500 Days of Summer. They wrote Which the is spectac- a great movie. They wrote, they wrote The Spectacular Now. Also an excellent movie. Yeah. Like, when I think about it, that... Man, the Disaster Artist kind of got snubbed. Yeah. Well, as you know, when we did our <laughs> nominations podcast, I was really bitter that James Franco didn't get an Oscar nomination for Best Actor. Yeah, he should have had Timothy Chalamet's spot. Like, I, I feel like, I don't know, maybe I'm I feel maybe I'm an old man myself, and not old in the way that James Ivory is, where I draw <laughs> actors on my shirts. I mean, in the sense that, you know, I just don't see what all the fuss is about. Like, okay, he's got a little bit of talent maybe but you know not you know he didn't really impress me and call me by your name he just kind of seemed to like flit about just like the movie was and i know we talked about that i know you said i know you talked about how you didn't have a problem with him as much as the rest of the movie around him but yeah james franco among when we talk about nominations yeah he was one of the big snubs um, I talked about it with a friend of mine, cinematography, Florida Project got snubbed. But yeah, that, that was a that, that the was disaster kind of artist clearly should have won adapted screenplay. Yes, absolutely. We're in agreement on that. We're not gonna have a fight about that um <laughs> either. Like we're again we've lived together too long. Especially because that was such a great book too. Yeah. And the way that they were able to, you know, condense a lot of stuff that could have been difficult to do. Like that's one of those rare books where I've actually I've read the source and I've then Read the, saw the movie, I, but again, I I called, but I called "Call Me by Your Name" simply because that that was like their big, that was one of their big legacy awards of the night. So, let's talk about something that you addressed <clears throat> earlier. Where before we started recording this, we said to ourselves, "We don't know, how, we don't know how much we have to say about these Oscars." And then well, you we've said, already been talking twenty five minutes. You said accurately. Once we sit down, we're going to be talking all night because 
we like to talk. And you know, and there are things about about this Oscars that we could mention, uh, and there are things that caught my attention. I tweet about. Well, aside from let's get, I'll side, I'll sidestep from the awards like themselves for a second. Talk about things the show did. Um, well, I was going to talk about the predictability angle, oh, and that oh, the maybe predictability. Yes, yes. one of the reasons Sorry. why we briefly thought we would be at a loss of loss for words. Of course, we're not at a loss for words. No, no, no. I am never ever at a loss no, for no, words. No, no, no. But the awards were fairly predictable in terms of the winners. Fairly so. I mean, I think that. Well, let me ask you this: Did you think that maybe Lady Bird was going to get anything? Well. When you talked about, so Jack participated in an Oscar pool mm-hmm. that he did pretty well in. We don't know if he won yet, but he did pretty well. I think, yeah, like the, the, the things I, I didn't get right, there were a few, but this was the first year that I didn't get Best Picture wrong, which I think was a, a good thing in my favor. So you mentioned, though, the only major award you missed in your Oscar pool is that you bet Laurie Metcalf instead of Allison Janney. And that was, a, to be honest, though, that was a gamble on my part because one side of my brain was saying, no, Allison Janney's got it. She's already won mm-hmm. a lot of other awards. And that's usually the, the, what adds to the predictability is because the Oscars come after so many other awards shows have happened. Like it used to be, you just have the Golden Globes and then it goes right to the Oscars. But now you also have, you know, the SAG Awards. You have uh, the Independent Spirit Awards. You have like countless critic circles and uh-huh. and other things like that. So by the time you get to the Oscars, you know, it's almost kind of like if you were, it went after when you go to your graduation ceremony, when you've already picked up like, 50 little graduate (laughs) diplomas and then it's like okay well i already know i'm getting my diploma and this is even with the fact that the oscars have been moved up because when we were a kid the oscars were at the end of march and even like actually and i think in our parents generation like before we were born they were even in like april which i think was because maybe because like movies used to hang around in theaters longer so you might have more time to build a campaign or you know, have time to go see the movies. Now it's, you know, everything is so quick. Like, The Shape of Water is going to come out on Blu-ray in a couple of weeks. Yeah, so I would say I wasn't sure who was going to win Best Picture, but I wasn't shocked by the fact The Shape of Water won. No, it, well, the thing that made it uncertain, the only thing that makes Best Picture more uncertain to me is that in the past several years, picture and director didn't lock up. Like, it used to be with maybe an exception here and there, picture and director are usually in lockstep as far as what wins both. Um, but the past, like, with the exception of Birdman, the past five years, uh, all the picture winners didn't win director and vice versa. Sometimes it was because maybe the picture winner was snubbed in director, or maybe it was a case like where, I don't know, maybe they thought like Spotlight wasn't as well-directed as The Revenant or something. Like, sometimes some of these wins, it's hard to navigate, like, how something wins over another thing. It's why it's almost funny how we talk so long about this shit when it shouldn't (laughs) matter. So, I would say, if all you're evaluating (laughs) is the Oscars from an entertainment value perspective, not a quality of winners perspective, a little more more shock value 
actually don't go to see as many movies maybe as you and I do, or even even as much as you do, and you don't see as many movies as I do. It's true. Like some people might only go see, you know, four or five movies a year, and that actually that brings up another thing that um, there was a moment in the show where they kind of stopped things to have a whole segment about Me Too uh-huh. and uh, Time's Up and all that. Here are Ashley Judd, Annabella Shiora, and Oscar nominee Selma Hayek-Pino. Hi. It's nice to see you all again. It's been a while. It's an honor to be here tonight. This year, many spoke their truth, and the journey ahead is long, but slowly a new path has emerged. The changes we are witnessing are being driven by the powerful sound of new voices, of different voices, of our voices, joining together in a mighty chorus that is finally saying, time's up. So as you can see, so full of emotion, a little (laughs) bit shaky, we ask you to join us as we take a look at some of these trailblazers. This entire fall, the Me Too, the Time's Up movements, everyone is getting a voice to express something that has been happening forever, not only in Hollywood, but in every walk of life. Do they know I'm black? Should they? Some of our best work has come from turmoil. We have been in denial about the things at work. This moment is exposing the hypocrisy. These are times that'll be long remembered. What will we be remembered for? What did we do? My name's Lady Bird. It's weird you shake hands. All the movies I loved were directed by men. That sort of seemed like a prerequisite. Some of my favorite movies are movies by straight white dudes about straight white dudes. Now straight white dudes can watch movies starring me and you relate to that. It's not that hard. I've done it my whole life. I mean, I didn't think that segment was terrible, but I didn't really think it was necessary either. I was kind of lukewarm on it. Although, for me, the big, like, the biggest miss in terms of the segments, I really didn't like the check-in in the audience watching A Wrinkle in Time. Oh. It was not funny, and also... The people there were obviously not surprised. I am a truther in regards to this Oscar segment. Well, here's the thing. At first, I thought that they were genuinely surprised by it. Um, I was. But then it occurred to me, why are they seeing a movie on Oscar night? Also, another thing. <laughs> now, like, even if you don't even go see a lot of movies, you watch the Oscars. Correct me on. if I'm wrong about this, because I'm actually not sure about this, and I'm just speculating wildly. When I saw that big room of people, <clears throat> nobody's face was blurred out. So does that mean oh. they all signed a release form? Oh, I, I didn't think of that. Now, and there were other crowd scenes, and there was no face blurring. So, does that mean they all signed release forms? Yeah, the other thing that seems a little fishy is um, the fact that it's ABC uh, presents the Oscars, and they're seeing A Wrinkle in Time. Disney owns ABC, and Wrinkle Mm -hmm. Time is is a Disney release. I wonder if that has anything to do with it. Like, this was, like, their way of doing this 
stealth but not stealth promotion so, for Wrinkle in Time. The bit relied heavily on the fact that it was supposed to be spontaneous and that the people were totally shocked when <laughs> all these actors came in to visit them from the Oscars. Do you know what, though? What if this also, and this is just speculation on my part, because I haven't seen the movie yet. And, you know, you know, I like Ava DuVernay a lot, so I don't hope this isn't true. But what if the movie wasn't very good and this gave them, like, a useful distraction from the not goodness of the movie? <laughs> um, yeah, that, the problem is the Oscars always do that, though. Remember when Ellen DeGeneres hosted? I mean, she hosted a couple of times. I feel like there was one year where she was just like, vacuuming or something yeah. like that and then like she did like that big selfie with everyone and these they're but they're like these producers on the oscars who just like they 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 have it in their heads like oh let's have like a big fun dumb thing to do or like i think one year they even had like other like everybody in the audience part like they gave out pizzas yeah. or something maybe you didn't watch that because maybe that was last year but I feel like I saw the pizzas. Yeah, maybe that was the year before then. Um, yeah, maybe Ellen DeGeneres, I think, asked for pizzas or some shit. Uh, stop that. Just just stop. Have montages and musical numbers. I'm, I'm kind of... I've kind of come around on uh, what Andrew used to talk about when, uh, when we talked about the Oscars. He was very much like, I love having good montages and I love having musical numbers. And we don't yeah. really get too much of that. Like, we had the nominated songs... You know that were up for the best original song. The montages were good though. Yes, I like the montages, and generally, I'm a sucker for a good montage. I love montages, and a good montage. Um, my emotions are very easily stirred. I am easily manipulated by cinematic craft. So yeah, a montage can really get to work emotionally on me pretty quickly. I, I was. There quite was, happy with all of them. Yeah. Well, I I could tell the well there, you checked out of one of them. You checked out of the one about war movies. Yeah. Cuz I don't think you really care too much about war films. No. Um, Although <laughs> I always have a fondness for West Studi because he was funny and mystery yeah. man. Yeah, he he popped up in West Studi. He's always been the great go-to Indian actor in films. And when I was a small child and I was really into Native American history, he played Geronimo in a movie that I really liked about Geronimo. Yes. And Matt Damon was in it, a young Matt Damon. <clears throat> yes. Uh, Matt Damon, by the way, not at this Jimmy Kimmel Oscars this year. <laughs> so that was the one thing this lacked. This lacked a good Matt Damon joke. Maybe they yeah. thought it ran its course. Like, it's hard to top what they did last year. Like, I don't know if I remember, because, again, you didn't watch it. Um, they had, like, this running segment where they had, like, an actor talking about, like, their favorite film or something. Uh. And then they cut to Jimmy Kimmel, and he talks about we bought a zoo, <laughs> <laughs> and they show like Matt Damon's clips from the movie, like actual bits, where he's like, "This is about like taking care of animals and stuff," <laughs> and like then they cut back to Matt Damon, and he comes out, and he's like, "Hey, I kind of like that movie." <laughs> I, so I love the montages. Musical <coughs> numbers, I'm kind of torn on. Because on the one hand, I yeah. like them as an ideal, on the one hand. But on the other hand, I usually don't like the songs that are nominated for best song. <coughs> no, that's that's the crapshoot. Like, maybe, I don't know if it's a problem where, because they have this category and they have to fill it, maybe sometimes they think, well, you know, like, 
do we like this song enough that we should nominate it? Or what if there just aren't enough movies with good original songs? So we have to kind of scrape the barrel and pull out this like feel good crap song from Marshall, which yeah, was I, an okay movie, but God, that song was just. Shit. I feel like the best original song category <laughs> leans heavily into like adult contemporary ballad land. Which is just not yeah. where my musical tastes are. Now, you actually liked the Sufjan Stevens song. I was... I think it's okay. I'm, I'm not, like... I don't really hate it. But my problem is, when I hear it, I just think of, like, Simon Garfunkel. And i just rather listen to that. So, yes. I like the Sufjan Stevens <laughs> song. Is that one one? I already Which, uh No, no. And that was from Call Me By Your Name. Yeah, I so like... So, you do like one thing about Call Me By I Your Name. I liked the Sufjan Stevens song. This is embarrassing, but I will embarrass myself for the good of the podcast. Go ahead. I kind of like the Greatest Showman song. Well, I know that your tastes run into the trashiest pop imaginable, so that doesn't surprise me. And remember me, I was kind of torn about because in the movie Coco, I loved Remember Me. It made me cry. I thought thought the song was amazing in the movie. Which that song won, by the way. Okay, so that was the only one. Yeah, I thought yeah. it was amazing in the movie. I wasn't as moved by the performance of it tonight. Mm. No, I, I, I think I can get what you mean. I think that the problem was, in the movie, I remember in the movie it's kind of performed a couple of different ways, though. Because there's like a flashback scene where they show like, uh, like the, the guy who originally wrote the song sings it. And then later, at the end of the film, uh, the kid sings it. So you have, like, these two versions. So maybe it was hard to meld them together or something? Yeah, so I'm glad it won, because yeah. I love the song. But I didn't think the performance of it at the Oscars came anywhere close to matching the emotional power of the song in the movie. <clears throat> yeah, I, I, think I, I think that's fair. Well, again... Well, they're not not they're not giving it the award based on the performance yeah, that night, true. though. Um, I'm glad it won, though. It was a very beautiful song. Actually, you know what, though, if we were talking about giving Oscar the best original song Oscars to songs based on how well they're performed the night of the Oscar, uh-huh. actually, I might have given it to the Sufjan Stevens because performance-wise, I thought it was oh, this is kind of pretty. Yeah. So maybe that was more cohesive in performance on stage <laughs> than the Coco one, if that makes sense. Uh, and then there was like another song I'm just totally blanking on. Mu- a song from Mudbound. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Mary J. Blige did a song, which, again, that's not really my speed either. Yeah, it's often co- adult contemporary stuff. Like, wasn't that song... God, I wonder if that... Remember in uh, Get Out? They actually had a song by Childish, Childish Gambino, which I didn't even know was his yeah. until like a couple months ago. Uh, that song "Redbone," I think it's oh, called. Oh, that would that really that song. Like, why didn't that get nominated? Maybe that wasn't recorded for the film. I wish it was, because that would have won. Um, all right, moving on uh, to some other things. Uh, a, a slight snub on my on my end. Now going back to Shape of Water. I will say, one snub for Phantom Thread for me was best score. And I don't know how you feel about that. Like, did you feel the score for Phantom Thread was a little much 
for the film? Um, first I have to ask you a question. Okay. Did Johnny Greenwood win an Oscar for There Will Be Blood? No, I'm not even sure if he was nominated. Has he ever won? No. Oh, I was thinking <clears throat> that maybe if he had already won for his other score, that maybe they just didn't want to give him another one. No, I, I. That's why I wanted him to win in part because this felt like a culmination of everything he's been doing with Paul Thomas Anderson over these past four films, and it was like incredible work. Yeah. It as was much as not. I love Shape of Water, and I, 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 I like that score a lot. It, it felt like a score I could have heard in another movie. Yeah, I definitely would have given it to Phantom Thread. Yeah, like Phantom Thread felt so unique to that film, and really helped to add to this feeling of this is this lush very like intense environment that I wish in. somehow Phantom Thread could have won a big Oscar I don't know what yeah it, it, it I've been, been racking nice. my brain trying to think of which <clears throat> Oscar I would have given it well it's it's difficult because on the one hand I know that you were actually not that happy with Gary Oldman winning Despite you not having seen Darkest Hour. Okay, I will be honest. I love, I love this. My antipathy towards Gary Oldman winning is completely irrational, illogical, and unjustifiable. I'm just a jerk. Yeah, Spock would not be happy with you. But I did not see The Darkest Hour because it looked like Oscar bait pap and I was just not in the mood. So as I told you, I'm going to pretend that Gary Oldman won for The Professional, <laughs> so, the beloved movie of my childhood. <coughs> yeah, so, so you're kind of like the guy that sees Al Pacino win for Son of a Woman and says, oh, this is her dog day afternoon. Yeah, so, and my problem is I have really strong, positive feelings about three of the other performances that were nominated. I mean... Obviously, they were not going to give it to Daniel Day-Lewis. They were not going to give him a fourth Well, well that's the thing, is that you have, like, these two monolithic British performances going on. And, I mean, again, they could have given it to him, but that would have put him into, like, this super-duper hollowed category. It would have been him and Catherine Hepburn and no one else. Yeah, exactly. So, I knew they weren't going to give it to him, even <laughs> though he was great in the movie. Yeah. I, but, as you know... I was rooting for either Daniel Kaluuya or Denzel Washington. Mm. And I knew that <clears throat> Denzel Washington had absolutely zero chance of winning. But as I said in that the nomination... His nomination was the award. Yeah. As I said in our nomination podcast, he was amazing in Roman J. Israel. And the movie itself has some problems, but he was spectacular. And... Sure. No, no, I, I, I see what you what, what you're feeling there. Like I, again, I saw when I walked out of dark, dark even though not even when I was w- walked out, when I was watching Darkest Hour, I was like, all so, right, this is his, this is his Oscar. My stance on it is, I know, unjustifiable, but if anyone is listening to this, you know, you develop aversions to actors, movies, performances, etc. that you haven't seen. You know you do it too. No, I well here's well it's funny because you know, like going back to James Ivory for a second, I've I finally came around and I did watch The Remains of the Day like a year or so ago. And I ultimately I did like that movie. But I have had kind of an aversion to if if not his movies then that kind of period movie 
I don't know if it's always my kind of thing. Like, I never really am about to sit down and be like, I'm going to watch Howard's End today. <laughs> Although, so I, I, have, I, I know what you, you're saying. As I told you, though, Gary Oldman's <clears throat> speech did kind of warm my heart a little bit because, yeah. as I've told you, <coughs> as I told you when we were watching it, I don't like when actors pretend they're too cool for school and they don't care about awards. Well, I think that all of the actors were pretty much like that. So basically, the Woody Allen, the Woody Allen attitude towards Oscars, I find irritating, and a lot of times I think it's inauthentic. If my job <clears throat> gave out Oscars, I would want one, and I think. There's nothing wrong with wanting to be rewarded for a job well done. So I don't like it when actors pretend like they don't want to win Oscars. So whenever actors seem sincerely, legitimately happy yes. <laughs> to win yeah. Oscars. Or, or, you know, or the Woody Allen method or putting like an, an Indian woman to accept your award. Well, because a lot of times I think... I, a lot of times, I think it's kind of a posture or a pose. I think a lot of times actors want the recognition, but they feel like they can't admit it. So anytime an actor is upfront about the fact that they want recognition, I love it. Well, and when I yeah. saw that he won, I was like, this is a man who is very enthusiastic about the fact that he finally won an Oscar after yeah. a long, distinguished career. Yeah, the, the, Again, you're going for a guy who started his career with Sid Vicious, who's now Winston Churchill. That is an amazing career to go from one end to the other. And and speaking of that, I, I mentioned that the DP of Sid and Nancy also won tonight, Roger Deakins. Although I am a little surprised, given the political climate, <clears throat> that there was no kind of Gary Oldman-related controversy because he How definitely so? had a wife that he, like, beat up. Really? Yes. Not Uma Thurman. The other, and not the wife he's married to now. Another one. Maybe, you know what it is? It was a really no, long time ago. You know though. what it is, though? I have, I have a thought about that. You know, because like, the thing is, you look at these cycles of people who... Um, have allegations against them and win thing and then they actually do win something and then that's what brings out a lot of the attention like go, going back to Woody Allen for one second sorry to cut you off like um when he he got an honorary golden globe mm. about maybe five years ago or so and he didn't show up for that either but when he got that like that was what kind of I, I feel like restarted all of the attention from Dylan Farrow and that whole thing about the child molestation allegations. Like that was actually what did it. Like I hadn't heard about that in years, but then that re kicked it into circulation again. And, uh, or even, um, there was another actor who won something and then, Oh, well, James Franco, Franco got the golden globe and nobody was really talking about those <laughs> allegations, but like, Right after he won the Golden Globe, that's what put him in the hot water and got him possibly snubbed at the Oscars. Maybe because it was so long ago. I seriously think this was like late yeah. 80s, early 90s. But he was married mm -hmm. to this woman and he was freaking out and she went to call the cops on him. And he pulled the phone out of her hand and started beating her with it. 
Wow. You I, should. I, 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 should, I didn't know about it. Well, you might have told me about it, and I just Well, liked it. I'm telling you poorly, because I don't even remember the woman's name. Yeah. It was his pre-Uma Thurman wife. Well, you know what? Well, you know that actually he's not even the only person who won tonight that has an allegation against him. Um, Kobe Bryant. Uh, he, uh, he won, of all things, best animated short. <laughs> Oh, yeah, I remember that back in the yeah, day. Yeah, because he had a sexual assault allegation. This goes back to 2003. I don't know how that ultimately has played out. Like, that's popped up uh, here and there in the news. Huh. Like, I saw somebody on my on my Twitter made a mention of it, and that reminded me, oh, this is going to... People are now going to come out of the woodwork again against Kobe Bryant. Now, you know, again, I don't know if that happened. I don't know if that's the case. But it's kind of interesting, though, that, again, you brought up Gary Oldman... Who knows, maybe because he won this, maybe that might resurface that again. Yeah, now I, as you know, I am someone... Now, you read a lot of tabloid stuff, though. Yeah, I wish I remembered this story better. I should have Googled it before we started the podcast, but... It's fine. Um, I am not someone who thinks that terrible people need to be shunned <clears throat> from public life. No. So... I'm personally not someone who would say, like, oh, Gary Oldman doesn't deserve an Oscar because he slapped his wife around 30 years ago. I'm just surprised that I didn't hear anything about it, given the political climate of the time. But you're right that maybe now that he won, I don't know, maybe we'll hear about it or maybe it happened so long ago that nobody cares anymore. Well, that's also the thing, too, that... Because this is decades ago. Well, it, it's... You have to have a couple different things when it looks at this. Again, if this happened so long ago, he might now say, well, I was a very... It was a very different time. I was a very out of my head then. I've changed. It's been maybe, who knows, t 20, 30 years. Again, I don't know the timeline of that. Now, if You something... should Google it so we can talk about it with... <laughs> with with our faithful listeners uh that, that's yeah. a good idea and by the way if you uh have any thoughts about the oscars you can always send us an email to wages of cinema at gmail.com and see how uh, well we prep for you ladies and gentlemen <laughs> no well but again i didn't know that uh um okay yeah so domestic violence allegations uh okay yeah 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 i see that um there, i opened an article on vox um, which says that, uh, um, let's see, I'm talking about Casey Affleck, which we, we talked about. He withdrew, by the way, like they used to have a tradition at the Oscars of the best actor from the previous year presents best actress and vice versa. Um, cause they didn't want to have to deal with Casey Affleck and his allegations. Now we've got to remember that's from 2010. I mm -hmm. think those hap that happened with him. Um, and uh, with that... Um, oh, okay. In 2001, Oldman's now ex-wife, Donya Fiorentino, said that Oldman choked her and beat her with a telephone in front of their young children. Um, and uh, she said, Our marriage is a giant car crash in which demented things happened. I lost my self-esteem. Oldman has denied Fiorentino's claims, saying through a representative that the police investigate her story... And pressed no charges. Okay. Um, yeah, so I don't know. Maybe that's uh, maybe that could be the end of it. I don't know. Um, but, I mean, again, you raise a good point. It's 
it's tough. I mean, it, you know, an actor like Gary Oldman, he's one of the most cherished actors in the world. Now, you could also say that about Kevin Spacey. Yeah. Here's the difference, though. You know, Gary Oldman, he has this one ag- allegation against him. Kevin Spacey has, like, 50. Yeah. You know, like, it, it's it's endless. The same with, with Weinstein. Um, with Franco, that's a weird case where I wonder, I guess that's multiple cases, but they kind of vary in severity. Um, as far as like hitting on underage girls. Um, I know we're getting way off track here. We're talking about the Oscars. Um, but it is interesting again, because it is in keeping with the spirit of, you know, that they, they had to address it. Like the Oscars had to address it tonight. Uh, and Frances McDormand. In her speech, yeah. my God. And now I want to get some perspective. <laughs> if I may be so honored to have all the female nominees in every category stand with me in this room tonight. The actors, Meryl, if you do it, everybody else will, come on. The filmmakers, the producers, the directors, the writers, the cinematographer, the, the composers, the songwriters, the, 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 the designers. <laughs> come on. <laughs> Ms. Boynton. <laughs> Okay, look around, everybody. Look around, ladies and gentlemen, because we all have stories to tell and projects we need finance. Don't talk to us about it at the parties tonight. Invite us into your office in a couple days, or you can come to ours, whichever suits you best, and we'll tell you all about them. I have two words to leave with you tonight, ladies and gentlemen. Inclusion rider. She included, she said at the end of her speech, here are two words for you. Inclusion writer. Yes, and I'll confess, when she said that, I had no idea what it meant. That means that... So I took to the internet and looked it up. Yes, I, I did as well. What what that means, if you have a contract involved with uh, the making of a movie, that means that you need to have like a level playing field as far as the men and women you hire. That way that you don't have a movie where you just have like three women working out of like a hundred men now i have a question for you now when i did a very very quick googling of this term to figure out basically what it meant but did you figure out who it was who it would be on the set who would sign an inclusion rider because that i wasn't clear about in my very quick googling of this term i I don't know. I, I thought that that might be something that the studio handles, not so much like people on the set. Oh man, if only we had Matt Catania here. Yeah, yeah, Matt Catania. If you're listening to this podcast, send us a message about. Hook us up for information about inclusion writers. Yeah, Matt has some legal expertise, uh, possibly in this field. Um, but no, her speech. I mean, she basically asked every single woman in the audience basically to stand oh. up. Um, you know, in a sign of solidarity. So it's a very serious time now. But to conclude on the whole Gary Oldman thing, it, it I don't know. I don't think enough people know about it is just basically the thing. Well, it happened so long <clears throat> ago. It's pre-internet and pre-full tabloidization of... Yeah, it, it, but it's also the thing, too, that, like I said, that happened 
Um, again, a lot of these guys deny things, but if it was just that one thing, now if it was a pattern, that's true. Like, or if it was something so serious that he actually did go to court, like uh, uh, Nate Parker. Yeah. Uh, I mean, he was someone who that that also happened years and years before. Although Nate Parker was acquitted. He, he was acquitted, but that yeah. he still kind of got shunned by the industry. Well, I think he did it based on <coughs> I Jezebel.com covered it thoroughly <clears throat> when it happened. Yeah. I understand that because he was acquitted that we that legally we have to treat Nate Parker like he didn't do it. So I understand that it's not right to treat people who have been acquitted of crimes like they actually committed that crime. But, I get that. But with that, I think he did it. Though. With that same mindset, then, um, what uh, what what do you think though of? Um, do you think Gary Oldman did it? Yeah, I. Think he did it. <laughs> <laughs> but wow, that that was a quick answer. Um, Oh, we actually have a, uh, uh, this is a spontaneous question okay. uh, that I want to ask, because we got sort of a question that wasn't really posed to the Wages of Cinema, but it was, I just saw on Facebook, because uh, he tagged you, uh, Gabe Rodriguez, who, thank you for listening to the podcast. And Hi, Gabe. Was, Hi, Gabe. I waved to you like you could see me. Cause... Yes. He has a status up that he just literally put up as we're recording this, and he said, what infuriates Dr. Corey Hughes more? <laughs> Made sure to include that. That Call Me By Your Name has won an Oscar for its screenplay, or that it happened exactly 50 years after Guess Who's Coming to Dinner won an Oscar for its screenplay in 1968. <laughs> well, Guess Who's Coming to Dinner is my least favorite movie of all time, whereas Call Me By Your Name is just my least favorite movie <clears throat> of the year. So I'm going to have to say that Guess Who's Coming to Dinner winning an Oscar is worse than Call Me By Your Name. I, I, I'm going to have to agree with you there. I think that Guess Who's Coming to Dinner winning Best Original Screenplay in a year of whatever was nominated up against it. Like, that is easily one of the most tone-deaf scripts ever written. Like, if you want to argue that, okay, Call Me By Your Name... Maybe not a lot happens in it. Maybe it, it doesn't have enough incident or interesting things or things like that. I mean, I, I think that more of the problems for me with Call Me By Your Name were on the direction, not on the, the script. Um, I, that is some unholy symmetry, though. It kind of is. Um, well, but you could also say, though, that Get Out won Best Original Screenplay 50 years after Guess Who's Coming to Dinner. Oh, Which, so that's a positive spin on things. Yeah. I don't know what... Yeah, so Gabe kind We've of... We've come a long way, baby. Well, yeah, I was going to say... Well, think about like this, Gabe, that the movie that won Best Original Screenplay... Not Adapted Screenplay. Again, Call Me By Your Name's Adapted. Original Screenplay, the movie that riffs on Guess Who's Coming to Dinner, wins. That's uh, an uh, excellent point. Yeah, so... We're very glad about your question. So, hashtag progress. Hashtag... Uh, uh, Black Lives Matter. All right. Um, some other points, uh, you know, because uh, we might be here all night. <laughs> we keep on talking about this stuff. Yeah. Um, like I said, some predictable stuff. I said that, you know, with Best Supporting Actress that I wanted, that I kind of knew that Allison Janney was going to win, even though I thought that maybe the one that they might give Lady Bird was Laurie Metcalf. Um, 
that's why at the last minute I chose that for my Oscar pool. I feel like I got way off track before I was about to mention that. Um, Sam Rockwell and Francis McDormand, I called those. I think you probably did too. Yeah. Um, even though it was a, such a strong category for women, like any of them could have won, and I would have been like, okay. Yeah. You know, it wasn't like Best Actor where I'm kind of a little bit more scrutinizing or or Best Supporting Actress where, frankly, there are two nominees there that are just, <coughs> I don't know why you're there. You know what I mean? Like, it's like you have like these super powerhouse performances, Leslie Manville and, um, you know, Laurie Metcalf and Allison Janney. And you have Mary J. Blige and Octavia Spencer. And and this is going to sound like I'm, like, against them as, like, black women or something. That's not it. They just have the weaker roles in those movies. You know, it's more about that. Um, what else? Uh, although I haven't seen it yet, I was happy that A Fantastic Woman won. Because it's, like, a movie with uh, a transsexual lead. And she actually presented uh, one of the musical acts, which was kind of nice, because that was the first time a woman who played a transsexual in a movie but is actually transsexual presented at the Oscars. I guess tiny glass ceiling broken. Like, ding. <laughs> ding, ding, ding. Um, all the technical stuff. Yeah. Like I said, I, I called pretty much all of them. You know, that Dunkirk would win, you know, sound, because it had the most sound. So that was the marker for them. It's like, like all that. That was my imitation when we were watching it. Um, God damn, I'm so glad Roger Deakins finally won. That's one of those Oscars. Um, now, for, to, to let you know, like, I know because you don't, do you, are you aware of who Roger Deakins is? Yes, I know who he <clears throat> is, but. Do you want me to refresh your memory? I know who he is because of you. But and... let me ask you this frankly, though, in another way. Do you care as much about, like, him winning for the cinematography Oscar as, like, I do? No. <laughs> but. That's fine. That, I don't that's care as answer. much as you do, but I'm very glad he won because Blade Runner 2049 was so great. And... Yeah, it was great, and it was visually so impressive, yet it used its color, like, so many different colors and light. And it felt natural for that world. Now, he had been nominated 14 times. 14 times. For such films, you know, that you might have heard of, like, Shawsh... Is it... Uh, guy. <laughs> I have a little bit of a thing there. Shawshank Redemption, No Country for Old Men, True Grit, um... Uh, oh, God. Uh, so, so many... God, so many others. Uh, uh, Beautiful Mind, uh... Basically, he's been just working like so long in the industry, and that this what what's nice about this because our friend Matt Rosen he actually texted me and he thought he actually asked me, do you think that he won, uh, you know, b because like they felt they owed it to him, and I told him I think that this was an Oscar win, much like Scorsese for The Departed. It's not as much of a all right, well we just owe you like Pacino or Paul Newman got in the 80s. This is just a case of, among the nominees, this is this is actually the strongest person who won. And it's for the career. It's both. Yeah. Because, it's a career achievement award, and uh, you really did the best job. It, it was the best cinematography of, of the films. And there were some good ones 
in the mix too. Like I, you know, I have to wonder though. Um, quick drink of water. If Paul Thomas Anderson had actually just now, who knows? Maybe if this he had in his head, he had to do it his way. He acted as his own cinematographer on Phantom Thread. Uh, he. Uh, now, he said he didn't take credit because he's like, I, I didn't want to take credit. I, I wanted to make it, you know, I had a whole camera crew and we were just kind of collaborating together. There's no one photography. And like, bullshit, you were the fucking director of photography. Shut up. If he had hired someone else, maybe that could have won, though. I don't know. Because the look of that movie was pretty great. Yeah, I'm very glad Roger Deakins. <coughs> no, I am too. Not as glad as you, but very glad. Yeah. Um, this is a very tiny thing I wanted to mention. Um, I happened to, I, I, I somehow was able to make it out to see the short films, the live action shorts. And, yes. I, and I know nobody really cares about the what short films. What a treat for the listeners, though. They can actually hear someone who can speak intelligently about the short films. I can't. I didn't see them. I wasn't with you. Yeah. So... This was this was since we last recorded, too. Like, what happens is, um, after the nominations are announced, uh... In a, it's limited release, but in some theaters, uh, they'll actually screen uh, the the films nominated in the live action, animated, and documentary categories. Uh, now, some of these you can watch online. Uh, the actually a couple of the documentary shorts I just actually watched on one is on Netflix that was called Heroin, and there was one called uh, Traffic Stop, which I really loved and didn't win, unfortunately. Uh, that was that's on HBO. In live action, though, it's um, interesting because you had like these five shorts that played, and I was really rooting for this one short. Oh God, is it isn't in this list? Uh, I mm. oh yeah yeah it is. The the, the five shorts here are the quick tiles very quickly. DeKalb Elementary, the Eleven O'clock, My Nephew Emmett, The Silent Child, and. Oh, I hope I pronounce this correctly. For, please forgive me, uh, country. Watu Wote, all of us. Now, every single one of these shorts is, with the exception of one of the shorts, which is called Eleven O'Clock, and that's just a really creative short uh, involving a like a couple of uh, a therapist and the guy who pretends to be a therapist. Um, they all involve an issue, like DeKalb Elementary. I almost wondered if that might have won. I don't know why why it didn't like that involves a school shooter, which is you know very topical right now, and will um, always be topical. Yeah, pretty much. I mean, when I saw it, it was before Parkland, and I was still like, "Ooh, oh, I'm getting kind of a chill down my spine." Um, my nephew Emmett was this short that recreates uh, the night Emmett Till died, which was pretty. It wasn't as graphic as that sounds, but it was that was actually my favorite. I thought that was fantastic. The Silent Child, which is the one that won, I thought was pretty lame. And that, I, I, I get the message of it, sort of. Um, I talked about this with my mother, who also saw the shorts with me. That short involves, like, this kind of well-off family and their deaf-mute child. And, like, the nice woman that comes to their house and tries to teach the kid how to do sign, you know, she can do sign language in school. She, you know... She, <laughs> you know, she, she'll actually be able to follow along with the students. And then at the end, the parents are like, no, nah, we don't need you anymore. Go away, teacher. Our, our, our girl will be fine. And then like, 
teacher and students share like sad looks at each other and short film ends. And I was like, this shit's lame. <laughs> I'm, I'm sorry for any, well, if you're deaf, you're not listening to this. <laughs> Oh, I'm so mean. Oh, it's not so... No. No, if you are a parent of a deaf chit, I'm, I apologize if I'm offending you. Um, cover their ears. <laughs> <laughs> oh, I'm, I'm going to hell, aren't I? Uh, no, but it's just as far as the the actual like drama of it, it felt the weakest of them. And yet it won, so it could you could have a chance to here's someone who's gonna go on stage and do sign language. <coughs> Alright, that's the end of my rant. Well, I'm glad <coughs> you were able to provide our listeners a unique perspective because ninety nine point nine 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 percent of people who are watching the Oscars <coughs> have not seen any of the short films. I haven't. I don't know if I've ever seen any of the short films that have been nominated. So Right. I'm glad you could drop truth bombs on the people. Yeah, yeah, I I, I try sometimes. I'm, I'm appreciative that I'm able to do that. Um, what do you think of Jimmy Kimmel? I thought his opening monologue was good, and he had a couple good lines here and there. After that, I basically forgot about him. Well, he feel it felt like he kind of went away for a good chunk of the show. Like some, I felt like sometimes hosts pop up a little bit more than he did now maybe that was because they had other things like that me too times up segment but i don't know i I, I, yeah his opening segment was pretty funny um he had a whole bit involving uh the person who gives the shortest oscar speech gets a jet ski yes i liked that that was the ongoing and and, you know and occasionally you had someone come up on stage and be like i really want that jet ski and (laughs) you know because I bet you a couple people in that room thought that was for real. <laughs> like, they probably don't understand these things called humor and jokes and thought so, they'd get a jet ski. I liked his opening monologue. After that, I didn't really think yeah. much about him either way. Like, I didn't really have criticisms of him, but I didn't really think about him much at all. I kind of feel the that. same way. I feel like he, I liked him maybe a little bit more last year, maybe. I didn't see him uh, again. I, I know you, you have no basis of comparison. Although I did watch the, <coughs> even though I did not watch mm. the show in real time, I did watch on YouTube the whole La La Land Moonlight thing. Of and, and I love when he comes out and he's like, Warren, what did you do? And I feel part of me feels bad being mildly critical of his handling of that part of the show. But I thought he tried too hard to make it jokey when the mix-up happened last year, which I think just perpetuated the confusion about what was going on. Maybe, well, he was kind of in a tough spot. Yeah, well, that's why I don't want to be too critical, because he was placed in a no-win situation that he should have not been placed in. He was only in that awkward situation because of the incompetence of the of Price Waterhouse Cooper. Yes, yes, thank you. Yes, so, uh, <laughs> I have no opinion about his performance really last year because I didn't see 90% of it. And this year, good monologue. 
And then he was just kind of wallpaper yeah. after that. He, he had a couple of good jokes, though. Like, as a filmmaker, I really liked his line after the guy won for best editing. He said something like, and there he goes off to be back in the windowless room with Avids. <laughs> I enjoyed that. Um, I mean, a couple lines here and there. Um, but yeah, I, I don't know. I, I don't know what else he could have done. I think what really soured me was the whole bit with the movie theater, though. Yeah, it was lame. That just felt like a distraction. Oh, these celebrities are going to meet and like give out candy and shoot out hot dogs to the... the just, just give me a break. Like... The people who always complain about the Oscars being too long, you got to cut out those bits. You would give more time for people to give speeches. Oh, oh! I thought of something I need to bring up. There was a point where somebody was was giving a speech, where these two there are two people who won, and you you I think you were watching or at least you saw my reaction. These two people won. It was one of the technical or it was a minor award, and. They were going. They weren't going long, but the music started playing over one of the guys, and he says, "I'd like to get dedicate this award to my mother who just died." Yeah. The music cut off like a record scratch. Like, <laughs> 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 I was cracking up at that. Yeah. Like that was my biggest laugh of the night. <laughs> that was like, oh, you're gonna you're gonna put the music on me? Fuck you. <laughs> I love that. Um, any other thoughts? Uh, any other stuff you want to talk about with the Oscars? Or do you think we've exhausted this conversation? Nothing is popping to mind. Of course, after we stop recording, <coughs> I'll think of 20 things 10 minutes later. But Well, you know, that's we can always bring it up, I think, on the next episode. I think if we think of something. Yeah, I don't think I have anything else. No, again, overall, Oscar, yeah, it was fine. It wasn't like an extraordinary oh my god show it was just another oscars where you know i really wanted to see the people win who i wanted to see and they did and that was awesome um you know the fact that sam rockwell who i first saw when i was six years old in the teenage mutant ninja turtles movie (laughs) as unnamed thug number one (laughs) is now an oscar winner is pretty cool um and uh yeah. Oh, oh, what the one last thing. Um my documentary pick in the pool didn't quite turn out. I hadn't seen the I, I actually hadn't seen this one. I, I the one that I really wanted to win ultimately didn't. That was Faces Places, which was really great. If you get a chance, I highly recommend that movie. Um There was this movie called Last Men in Aleppo, uh, which is a documentary about the the bombings and all that stuff in Syria. I want that to win just so it could fuck with uh, Gary Johnson. I was going to say, you wanted a Gary Johnson joke. <laughs> I want a Gary Johnson joke. And for those who don't remember, when Gary Johnson was running for president in 2016, you know, this is a man running for the president of the United States. He was asked on the on a, a cable sh- news show about what was happening in Aleppo. And his response was, what's in Aleppo? <laughs> <laughs> That was one of my favorite moments from the election, where it's just, and I know people who vote for Gary Johnson. You can go to hell for for that. You know, what's in Aleppo? <laughs> like, I just would have loved to have seen his face looking at the poster. He's like, what's this? <laughs> it's just, 
I can't my, I can't stop making fun of him. He he's completely irrelevant now in society, and I just wanted to make that joke. Um, <laughs> all right. So uh, if you had thoughts about this Oscar ceremony, if you had any thoughts about who should have won uh, as opposed to who didn't, please make sure to send us an email to wagesofsim at gmail.com. If you want, you can even tag us on Facebook like Gabe just did. We'll, we'll read your comment. Um, and also we're on Twitter at Wage of Cinema. Uh, and also, you, like I said, you can listen to us on SoundCloud, iTunes, and Stitcher. Uh, if you're on iTunes, please make sure to rate us and give us a review. It helps our uh, uh, appearance on, on the site. And uh, when we come back next time, we'll have a more traditional uh, type of episode to give you where we talk about some movies and uh, have a big, long segment where we gush about someone. Yes, someone we both love very much. (coughs) Yes, so that's how how we'll tease that out. Um, And until next time, I'm Jack. I'm Corey. And The Wages of Cinema is... Hugs. And Moonlight. (laughs) You won. (laughs) But hugs win. Good night. Get ready for some more get outs, for some more Black Panthers. Get ready for some more wrinkle in times. We're here and we're not going anywhere. My son, it is your time. It's so exciting to imagine an eight year old kid seeing themselves on screen in a way they've never seen before. Traditional walls have collapsed. You have a phone that has a camera on it that you can actually make a movie on right now if you wanted to. Go make your movie. We need your movie. I need your movie. So go make it. 